0: In case you're wondering, I'm not Rex. Uh, Rex is doing some stuff for FCA today, so he asked me to fill the pulpit for him today. So if you're new with us, please don't hold today against the church. At least come back one more time and give Rex a chance, um, because Rex is not me. Thank goodness. Everybody's grateful for that. Um, I am not a preacher. I was a preacher. I work for the city of Toledo in the police department now, um, but I used to do this, so... He was gracious enough to let me do it for one time. So hopefully, hopefully we're going to learn something today. Hopefully we're going to have a little fun today. Um, and hopefully we're going to go away from here different today. So what time of year is it? It's fall. What is, what is fall best known for? Halloween. Woohoo! Free candy. There's nothing better than that, right? What else is fall known for? football. I'm an Ohio State fan. Let's not say that word anymore for the next hour, okay? We'll be good. You say it after I leave all you want to. What else do we do in fall? Harvest, harvest right? How many of you have been invited to a harvest party or a Halloween party? I throw harvest in there because we're in church. Some people may not want to say they went to a Halloween party in church. So, but we've all been invited to a party, right? Because harvest time is party time, when you get together, the, the farmers get to bring in their crops. And I, I'll tell you, too, I'm new to this whole thing because when I used to preach, they didn't have PowerPoint clickers and all that kind of stuff, so I, it's been a while. So I'm going to try and make sure I get it, but if I don't get it right, somebody just say, eh. point at the screen or something, we'll figure it out, Okay. But we've all been to Halloween parties, we've all been to harvest parties, right? And they're fun. And farmers like harvest time because now you've got all the beans in, now the silos are full, now you, can, now you can make some money because you've taken in what you've been waiting on to come in all of that time. So harvest time is party time. And you know, how many of you have had a garden? Anyone raise a garden? See, we're going to have to get something together, okay? You and me, we're a team, all right? So you stay connected, I stay connected. Fair enough. So when I ask a question and you, for you to raise your hand, go ahead, raise your hand. You're not. No, it's good, okay? How many you've ever wanted? To, how many you've ever raised a garden, had a garden? Okay, yes. Yeah, see? Do you just show up one morning and the tomatoes are on the vine and you pick them? Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes it happens, right? But for the most part, you have to do some sort of planting and there's a process that goes into the harvest, right? To getting something, you have to do something to get it. That's what we're going to talk about today. How do I get the harvest in my life? And what do I want my harvest to be? What do I want to harvest? When, When people stand around my casket, what do I want them to know about me, and do I want to have made a difference in any lives as I've been here? Do I want to enjoy eternal life when I leave this place? What what harvest do I want to have? And so we're going to talk about that, but we're going to talk about how we get to the harvest. In Galatians chapter 6, verses 6 through 10, actually 7 through 10, 6, verse 6 says, If you receive teaching from someone, be gracious to them in repaying them for their teaching. All right? So I'm just doing it for one day. But we have a great staff here. So they're very fantastic. We're very gracious to them. So every once in a while, a little attaboy to the staff would be very well appreciated. So we're going to jump right into verse 7. Verse 7 says this. Don't be misled. You can't mock the justice of God. You'll always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, we should do good to everyone as we have the opportunity, especially to those in the family of faith. So let's talk about the harvest. What's involved, if you're a farmer, what's involved in actually being able to take in a harvest at the end of the season? First of all, I would say, we're going to ask three questions. The first question I would ask you is, how soft is your soil? Right? I mean, you can't, just, you can't just throw seeds on hard ground and they grow. There has to be some softness to your soil. In Hosea, anybody heard of Hosea? Hosea is a fantastic story. I love the story. We're going to talk about Hosea today. You're, you might, Hopefully you can laugh a little bit while we talk about Hosea. I like to laugh. One of the things I like to do as a preacher is show you that Scripture can actually be fun. All right? In Hosea chapter 10, verse 12, we see this. I said, plant the good seeds of righteousness, and you'll harvest a crop of love. Plow up the hard ground of your hearts, for now is the time to seek the Lord, that he may come and shower righteousness on you. Plow the unplowed ground. If you were an old King James Version reader, you would, you would see in the King James Version that it says, Plow your fallow ground. And I one time was in a sermon where this old Southern Baptist preacher was pounding the pulp and, Plow your fallow ground. So it's fun. It's some fun stuff. I have some good memories. But let's talk about Hosea. Hosea is a prophet. Everybody knows what a prophet is, right? God speaks to the prophet. Prophet speaks to the people. We don't have to do that anymore because now we have the Word. There are sometimes prophecies, and we're not going to get into that. Those gifts of the Spirit—that's not my sermon today. But in the Old Testament, they would speak to the God would speak to the prophet, and then the prophet would go to the people or to the king and say, "Okay, this is what God says." So, if you were going to consider a prophet in the rankings of spiritual depth would you put them as pretty deep spiritually or pretty shallow pretty deep good that's a great answer i'm glad you're with me so god comes to hosea one time he's a prophet remember he's a prophet because that's an important part of this he's a prophet god comes to hosea someday he goes hey hosea i've got somebody for you to marry and young single guy Hosea's is all excited right god's picked me as picked me a mate and then God says where He wants her to go. Get her, and He gives her her name. Gives him her name. <laughs> um, this is the message from God to Hosea. Hosea, I want you to go to this place, and I want you to marry a prostitute. And her name is Gomer. It's okay. You can laugh. We have a new we have a new youth pastor, right? Paul just came, started with us. You're single, right? Let's just have some fun with this, okay? (laughs) Paul's okay with us having fun. Paul shows up at the next elders' meeting and says, Hey, guys, God and I were talking this week. I was reading in Scripture. God picked me a wife. He told me to go down to LaGrange Street in Toledo. Ask around for a lady named Gomer. If you're a lady and your name is Gomer, I'm sorry. I didn't write the Bible. I just teach it. Don't be mad at me. I mean, how long is that elders meeting now? I mean, they're praying over him. They're breaking open. They're going to the store and buying cooking oil and pouring over him. Man, we, we got to help this boy, Right? I grew up in Delta. I graduated from Delta High School a long time ago. Uh, So when I... And then I went to Kentucky Christian College, which is in Grayson, Kentucky. There's about 200 more people in Grayson than there are in Delta, so it's not that much bigger. So my experience with prostitutes was what I read about them in the Bible because there's Gomer and there's Rahab and there's Mary and there's others, right? Right? And Julia Roberts in Pretty Woman. (laughs) So when I read the story of Hosea going to marry Gomer, I mean, it's not that bad, really. He's marrying Julia Roberts. Right? But then, I became a policeman in the inner city of Toledo. Toledo. I started arresting prostitutes. There is one thing I can tell you, and know that I am telling you the truth. Not one of them looked anything anywhere near Julie Roberts. (laughs) And I really didn't like dealing with them because they smelled bad, they looked bad, So that I'll tell you that the story of Hosea and Gomer took on an entirely different picture to me once I became a policeman in the inner city of Toledo. God said, go go find a hooker and marry her. How close to God did did Hosea have to be to even consider that? Let me think about that for a minute. How soft did Hosea's soil, his heart? Because there in Hosea it says, Plow up the unplowed ground of your heart. How much time had Hosea spent having a soft heart so that when God said, It's time for you to do something, he came to Hosea with one of the craziest ideas ever. And Hosea said, Okay. Okay. I can tell you, I really don't want to be an object lesson like Hosea. Because God specifically told Hosea, the reason that I want you to do this, Hosea, the reason that we're doing this whole thing is an object lesson, and you're the object. I want to show the Israelite people, I want to show my chosen people how they treat me. Because they treat me just like a prostitute. They go follow other people, they go follow other gods, they go get involved in other stuff, and they forget that I'm their true love. So Hosea did it. He brings her in, he marries her, they have the big, the big reception, all that kind of fun stuff, all the things you do when you get married. And she stayed around, became a, became a housewife, took care of him for the rest of his life. Nope. She left him again and went back. Went back to being a prostitute. So God said, so Hosea said, (laughs) I tried. It didn't work. What do you want me to do? (laughs) Funny you should say that, Hosea, because I want you to go get her again. What? We tried this experiment once, God, and it didn't work. Let me ask you a question. How soft is your soil? If God came to you with something he wanted you to do, that's so ridiculous, because, I mean, let's be honest, how much more ridiculous does it get than God asking you to marry a hooker and going back together. I mean, that's pretty close to the top of ridiculousness, right? God came to you with that plan. Oh, no. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I've been hurt before, God. You're not doing that to me again. Oh, no, God. You don't know what I've been through. Oh, oh Nope. No. Preacher, people have treated me poorly. My parents abused me. My wife left me. My boss hates me. My church let me down. My kids never call me. You see, there's all kinds of reasons out there for us to have a hard heart. Each one of us, if we look in our life, we can find something that would give us a darn good excuse to have a hard heart. Right? We could have a show of hands. How many have been betrayed in their life? How many have been hurt in their life? How many have prayed for something they didn't get and they prayed like they were never going to have to pray again and God didn't come through? There's all kinds of reasons why our hearts get hard. Oh, we could all make great excuses and even the courtrooms would say oh you're right you're entitled to a hard heart God told Hosea break up your hard heart how do I break it up? God my heart's broken what do you mean break it up? It's, I mean it's, it's shattered and in pieces now that's why I don't want anybody to touch it that's why I don't want to listen to anything that's why I don't want to do anything that's, that's why I don't want anybody to be close to me Because it's broken. There's a heart fixer. There's somebody that can fix your heart. His name is Jesus. You see, we can take, we can go to God and we can take our heart ripped apart in all of its pieces. Might have to get a basket if it's really been torn apart. But we can take it to God no matter what condition it is. And we can give it to him in faith. And we can ask him to heal it, and he will. David said it this way. After he had committed adultery, murder, and lying, he said, God, God I realize I'm, I'm nothing. Create in me a clean heart. And renew within me a right spirit. See, all it takes is you coming to Jesus and just saying, Jesus, this is the mess I have. I, don't, I know, I know I made bad choices. I know I should have done, th- I know you told me not to, and I did it anyway. But this is what I have, and this is where I'm at. And this is what I want. God, I want to be your child. God, I want to be used by you. God, I want to enjoy a harvest someday. God, I want people to come to know you because of my life. God, I want to make a difference for your kingdom. But this is all I have right now. And God says, thanks, I'll take that. It doesn't happen instantaneously, but then he takes your heart and he puts it back together and he gives it to you as a soft heart. And once again, your heart beats for him. And once again, you feel loved by him. And once again, you feel like you can do something for him. Protect it. Stay close to God and keep keep your heart soft. Well, how do I know that my heart is not soft? How do people see you? That's a great tell. Tell of where your heart is at. How do people react when you come around? Anyone know people you would you you avoid if you can? Okay, this means yes. This means no. And if I have to if I get invited back to preach again and we don't get this figured out, I got to preach on honesty next time. Right? How many of you know people you'd rather not spend time around? Oh, yeah. You don't have to give me your name. I'm not asking their name. That'd be silliness. But we all have people like that, right? They're so miserable. There's no way you could make them happy. Are you one of those people? Do people see you as someone that they can be loved by? Do people see you as someone that they can be cared for by do they see you as someone that they can go to when they're hurting or go to when they need something or go to when their heart is broken do they see you as someone that will help them heal their heart or are they afraid to go around you because they're afraid you'll make their heart worse God told Hosea break up your fattled ground plow it up make it soft get get real with your heart and soften your heart so that he can make a difference How soft is your soil? But the soil is not the only thing we need for a harvest, right? And we can have soft soil and it looks nice and pretty. And it usually does. When you, when you see a farmer plant their field and they break up the ground or whatever and it's all smooth and nice, and that, that's impressive to me. And any farmers out there that want somebody to drive that big combine, I'm, I'm not opposed to driving big trucks, just in case you're wondering. I don't know if you want me anything around, around anything that's dangerous or not, but that's an aside. But our second question is this. Are you planting what you want to grow? Are you planting what you want to grow? Because we've got the soil soft now, right? We've worked on our heart. But now what am I planting in my field? Uh, I was going I, I had thought about bringing a pumpkin in because we planted pumpkins this year. We were successful. We actually ended up with more than one. I was going to bring a pumpkin and set it there and then take some popcorn seed and throw some popcorn seed down on the ground and see if we could get a pumpkin out of the popcorn seed I threw down there. They say... Preacher, you're dumb. <laughs> That's why I'm a cop and not a farmer. But what are you planting? I mean, if we've gotten our hearts soft now, because this is what Hosea says in verses 12 and 13. I said plant the good seeds of righteousness and you'll harvest a crop of love. That sounds good, doesn't it? How many want a crop of love? Woo! The rest of you will wake up, you'll catch it on the way home. But you have cultivated wickedness and harvested a thriving crop of sins. Paul says it this way, don't be misled. You can't mock the justice of God. You're always going to harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest... Just read it silently, I don't want to say it out loud... From that sinful nature, death and decay. From that sinful nature, but those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. (laughs) That makes it a pretty simple discussion, there, doesn't it? I mean, really, right? It's not that hard. If you plant for the sinful nature, what do you get? Sinful results. I I love how, I like asking questions like that because people always change it so it's not as harsh as the Bible sometimes says it. Death and decay is the way that the Bible says it, right? Yeah? And I'm okay with that because I like to be liked and I like to be nice. If I really like like to be liked, I'd have a fireman instead of a policeman, but that's a whole other story, just teasing. (laughs) Got to get one of those in every once in a while. But it's death and decay. If I live for the sinful nature I, I reap death and decay. If I live for the spirit, if I'm planting for the spirit, then I get everlasting life. <laughs> oh, that's a tough one. <laughs> then why are so many of us planting for the sinful nature? Well, I'm not, a preacher. Okay. Listen to Galatians chapter 5. What what well-known passage of scriptures in Galatians chapter 5, those of you Bible scholars? The fruit of the spirit. Good. I'm impressed. You know what also is in there? The things that define the sinful nature. So let's just read them. Just so that we know, okay? Check out when they don't apply to you. I'm getting old. When, the, when the, you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures. We're doing pretty good so far, right? Everybody's all right? Okay, let's keep going. Idolatry, sorcery. Man, I am trying to be no witch. Hostility. Oh, now it's getting a little tougher. Hostility. You want me to skip quarreling? See, there's some you can just skip some words in the Bible. You don't know that, but you can just skip them. If it doesn't you don't really want to hear it, just skip it. It's always been my process. Quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition. None of us are ever selfish, right? Dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. But the fruit of the spirit is love and joy, and they just roll off the tongue nicer, don't they? Envy and wickedness and vileness and sorcery and all those are bad words, but love and joy, almost I mean, you should have some flowers falling down from the ceiling or something. What are you planting in your soil? I mean, how much time are you really spending building your relationship with the Lord? When was the last time, and I'm not going to get on a kick of daily Bible study and all that, but when was the last time you actually opened the Bible and read it other than at church? When was the last time you actually sat down with your family and had a family prayer time? that's not just grace before you eat? When's the last time you sat down with your spouse and said, hey, let's spend some time with Jesus together? Because I don't think that we, most of us as Christians, I don't think that if we're off doing a lot of those things that Paul says, and go, I don't think a lot of us are deeply involved in sexual immorality and lustful thinking and all of that kind of stuff. I'm certain that we struggle with it, but I don't think that we're going that way. But I will tell you this, what a lot of us struggle with as Christians and followers of Christ, what a lot of us, what a lot of us struggle with is actually putting effort into being a Christ follower. We just go through life. We just live, we go to work, we come home, we play with the kids, we eat, we take a bath, we go to bed, and we get up the next day and we go to work, we come home, play with the kids, eat a meal, watch a sporting event, go to bed, and we just live. And it's not that we're trying to be mean, or it's not that we're trying to not love God, but we're failing to actually plant the seeds that will give us a harvest, And then we wonder why we don't grow. Those of you that have had gardens before, do weeds grow easier or do the plants grow easier? The weeds! It's the exact same way with our life if we're not putting time into our relationship with God, if we're not investing time and energy and effort into making God a priority in our life, then what's going to happen is those sinful things that we talked about in Galatians chapter 5, they're going to take over. Because they're going to grow. Whether you want them to or not, they're going to be there. And unless you're doing the job of putting other stuff in there that will protect that and that will grow instead of that, you're going to end up at the end of the season with a bunch of weeds instead of something you wanted. When you think about the harvest that you want, how soft is your soil? And are you planting what you actually want to grow? But then once the planting is done, you don't go the next day and pick the beans, do you? There's this gap of time. That's another reason why I'm a policeman and not not a farmer. ADHD and farming don't work too well because i like stuff to happen now. I'm on a scene. We're dealing with stuff. Where everything's happening within about five minutes. I've got everything figured out, settled, done. Well, let's move forward, do something different. It doesn't work that way in farming. You put those seeds in the ground, it doesn't pop up the next day, right? That's right, preacher that doesn't. It takes a while for it to start coming up, Right? And then it's like three months before you can go harvest it. What in the world are you doing for those other months? Paul says this. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, I love that phrase, at just the right time, when God's ready, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. Paul says, hey, get off your hind end and do something. Farmers don't just sit around watching TV for the three or four months that the crops are in the ground. That's the time that they're working on machinery. That's the time that they're planning for the next harvest and that's where when they're, getting, they're taking stuff out of the silos to the market and to sell so that there's room for the new harvest. They're doing all those other kind of things. And you know what happens to us is we as Christians get stuck. And I'm not going to get on my... I've been on enough soapboxes already this morning. I'm not going to get on another one. But when you talk about social media, social media bothers me. And this is why it bothers me. Not because I'm more spiritual than you. It's just my own opinion. What I've found is... The more we spend time on social media, the less time we spend actually impacting someone's life. I talk, you can talk to tons of people, get all kinds of messages out there. Woohoo, I facebooked it. Woo-hoo, look at this. Woohoo, look at me. Woohoo. And it's good and, and and you can share information and I like that and you can talk to more people. You can send one message out and everybody gets it. But what have we done with the connection that we're supposed to have between brothers and sisters in Christ? Paul didn't say Facebook everybody. He didn't say keep your social media account current and accurate. He said don't give up doing what good for other people. Now I know some of you are saying but I tell people I'm praying for them on Facebook. Good. Even better if you actually take the time to pray. But who's showing up at their door with a meal? Who's knocking on the door saying, hey, I just wanted to come by and tell you, I love you, I'm sorry, I care about you, can I do anything for you? Hey, when I went through that same thing, the last thing I wanted to do was try and figure out meals for everybody that was around so what I'm doing is, I, I hope you like KFC, because I just picked up a 20-piece bucket of chicken. I got, some, I got some mac and cheese and some biscuits. I'm coming over. If you got food already tonight, you can use it tomorrow. Paul says don't stop doing good to other people, especially those that are in the family of faith, especially those of us that worship together. Because that is actually how Jesus is shared with people. Jesus has not shared with non-Christians through Facebook. They see stuff from him, but that does not change their life because there's just as many posts out there about crazy stuff that has nothing to do with Jesus that people can see. It's when you as a follower of Christ actually get involved in their life and actually make a difference in their life, when they need you to make a difference, that's where Jesus gets shared. That's when we become the church. Our motto as a church is love God, love people. Right? Be the church. Rex says that every Sunday. Go be the church. Go be the church. What is the church? The church is the people that have Jesus Christ in their life, and they want to share Jesus Christ with other people so that other people can have Jesus Christ in their life. That's what the church is. It's great that we... It's, social media does have good things. I'm not trying to say it's totally terrible. But being Jesus to people is what God called us to. Getting involved in their life, making a difference, being there when they need you, actually holding their hand and praying with them. What do you want to harvest? What do you want your harvest to look like? I want to tell you something. God has a plan for True North Church. And if you haven't been paying attention, a lot of people are coming to True North Church that didn't come to True North Church. And God is going to do something big with our church. I'm not saying we're going to have thousands and thousands of people, but I'm telling you this. God is on the move in our church. We have a fantastic staff. We have fantastic people. We have people that love Jesus. We have people that want to see people's lives changed for Jesus. We're full of good things that God can use, and he's about to use them in a big way. I don't know what it's going to look like, but my question to you is this. Do you want to be part of the harvest? Do you want to enjoy? What did they say you get to harvest? At the end, if you don't give up, you get eternal life. Doesn't that sound like fun? But even better than eternal life is eternal life with a bunch of people that I love. Right? I mean, if I get to go to heaven, that's good. But if I get to go go to heaven and take a bunch of people with me, then that's even better, right? Heck yeah, absolutely. What kind of a harvest do you want? I'm going to share with you a story. The second most influential man in my life was named Reno Barton. My dad was by far the most influential in my life. But Grandpa was the next most influential. And my grandpa did not know Jesus. And if you knew my grandpa, he was a good person and he did good things for people. But ooh, my feeling from the church that I was growing up in and my way of thinking, there was no way grandpa was ever going to make it to heaven. And I prayed for that man. I cut my teeth on the back of a Church of Christ pew. Delta Church of Christ. I cut my teeth on the back of those pews. There's still holes in the carpet somewhere in there. And there's holes in my suit pants from that carpet. And I spent a lot of time with my grandpa. And I remember as a 10-year-old boy being in the back of my grandpa's pickup truck, driving down the road, singing at the top of my lungs. Some worship... Chorus that I had learned at church camp just because I was hoping that grandpa would hear something about Jesus because for me Grandpa not going to heaven was unacceptable i loved that man more than more than I loved a lot of people more than I loved a lot I decided when I was 14 years old to become a pastor And I told my grandpa that's what I was going to do. My grandpa absolutely hated preachers. He hated churches He hated sports more. And when I had the conversation with my dad, with my grandpa saying, I'm I'm going to go to Bible college and I'm going to become a preacher. Expecting some support, my grandpa said, well, I guess it's better than being a professional golfer. My sister married a youth pastor. I became a pastor and grandpa fed two pastors for a long time. And at some point, my grandpa got involved with a, and went and heard a Southern Gospel Quartet from a church over in Clyde. And they sang some of the cathedral songs. And most of you young people think if I say cathedrals, you're thinking of big fancy churches. But there, there's a Southern Gospel Quartet, probably my favorite all time, was called The Cathedrals. And my grandpa had a favorite song by The Cathedrals, the song was Jesus Is Risen. And my grandpa, on the day that he died, I was in the room with him. I was pastoring a church in Fremont at the time. They lived in Bellevue, Ohio. So I was there, and we had just talked to hospice the day before. So I'm on the phone with the hospice nurse trying to make arrangements for when grandpa gets out of the, gets out of the hospital when, and we move him back home. So I'm talking to the hospice nurse, and the nurse from the room comes in, and she says, you need to come in here. I'm like, no, I'm talking to the hospice nurse. I'll be in a little bit. No, you, you need to come in here. And so I did. And my grandpa pulled the, pulled the oxygen mask off of him and, and, and told me he loved me and told me he was proud of me, which meant a lot to me. But then, as my grandpa took his last breath, he laid back in his hospital bed and he raised both arms up to the sky. And he very distinctly said, Take me, Jesus. I don't tell you that story because I'm cool. I don't tell you that story because I did it. I tell you that story because I serve a fantastic God who can change the heart of anyone, anywhere, at any time. I worship a Lord that whenever I call on his name, he will come to me and he will change my life. And I serve and I worship and I love a God that no matter who is in my life that I want to see in heaven with me, no matter how bad they are, no matter how unloved I think they should be, no matter how terrible they seem to the rest of the world, God can change their hearts and God can take them to heaven with me. The question is this. What kind of harvest do you want to have? If you were Hosea and God came and said, Go marry the hooker, Gomer. Would you have married her? Or would you have said, no, I'm too good for that? What kind of seeds are you planting in your garden? And are you loving people? Are you doing good for people? I'm going to pray. And this is going to be your time. We're going to sing. This is your time to talk to God and let God talk to you. If something in you needs some help, Pastor Paul's here, I'm here, Rex will be back. There, there's all kinds of people. If if you need to talk with someone or you need some help, know that God loves you. And know that there's people that can help you. And there's people that love you. Let's pray. God, we don't deserve anything you've done for us. At no point in our life have we been good enough to warrant all the blessings that we have. But Lord, we want to we be your children. We want you to bless our church and we want you to save lives through us. God, we want to be the church and we want to be the people that will make a difference in other people's lives and will draw people to you and not push people away. God, there's people here today, their hearts are hurting. <laughs> they need you to help them. God, help them. There's people here today that have prepared their soil, they're ready, they've been trying to plant, but Lord, they're, they're getting tired, they're growing weary, and they're hoping for some harvest that comes faster than you're sending it. God, give them the patience and the stick to to stay with it. Help them to remember what Paul said, if we don't give up, We're going to reap a harvest, a blessing and righteousness. God, we love you. We're grateful to be here. We're most grateful for your son. And we pray these things in his name. Amen.